Kirby just won a Grammy Award. Kind of. I'll explain. Plus, that big gaming event in June just got canceled completely for 2022. Tonight is April 3rd, 2022, and the Bobby Blackwell Show featuring your calls and chat comments is up next. So, so you would say even uh, if... Okay, I'll let you go. You talk. Wow, what, what happened to your voice? Thank you, Skype. So video games, that's what the show is about. This is that one, Akia Ripper from uh, Sweden. And what's with all the Halo hate, Bob? You've been hating on Halo a lot lately. I, I just don't like shooters. I'm not saying it's a bad game, I just don't like it. Billy OK says he can't be seen in public playing games that aren't hardcore, what would people say? And what up, G and Chad is once again talking about wrestling. That's why it's it's not because they hate the fans. It's more because they have to start from scratch. Uh, hogwash. Later. From a little room in Atlanta, Georgia, Bobby Blackwell. That's right. There's nothing else going on on TV tonight. There's nothing else. There's no slapping. There's no no paper beating rock, anything like that. Um, we're not cutting anything for time. We're not, uh, we're not doing any of that stuff that's supposed to happen on April 3rd. Um, we didn't cancel a concert to go to a sporting event. I've done that before. I've canceled the show for a sporting event, but it was never to a full, full sold out arena to go watch a sporting event. Never done that before, especially not on four days notice. No, welcome to a not canceled edition of the Bobby Blackwell show where we discuss the current news affecting the video game industry as well as sometimes reminiscing about gaming's history. My name is Bobby Blackwell. If you're joining us live here on this Sunday night where absolutely nothing else is happening on TV whatsoever or on any streaming service or anything, thank you so much. We do uh, tape the show live each and every Sunday night, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, over at the Voice of Geeks Network Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash Network. Come join us, and I'll be trying to read intelligent comments from chat throughout the night. But if you cannot be here live on Sunday nights, I completely understand you know, some of those TV things, they might be kind of cool. They're probably not, but they might be. Everybody enjoys different things. I get it. Um, then uh, you can join us on our Discord server, vognetwork.com slash Discord. You can join us during the week uh, and uh, kind of point us in the direction of things you want us to talk about. Uh, and I may or may not take those. Uh, and uh, we have discussions about that type of stuff all throughout the week. And you can also kind of get some updates if you don't follow on Twitter or anything like that. Uh, so yeah, so that's where we are. Um, and, uh, Dark Tatsia says, I'm not watching any of that. I'm here getting used to my shiny new keyboard. Ooh, I actually got it. I, I it's been a while, but I got one of those clicky clacky keyboards cause my old keyboard looks like crap and I shouldn't use it anymore. So I don't, uh, and it's got like all the lights that change and it's one of those, it's one of those that you can like program the lights and they can like, you know, do rainbow things and, and it's on like this little shelf. So I never see it. Because I don't look at my hands when I type, so my hands are actually like underneath the. Anyway, enjoy your new keyboard, uh, and uh, yeah. And I, every time I get like a new keyboard, I'm like, I want to type a lot. I want to type a lot. So then I get over it until I get a new keyboard again. Uh, but congratulations on that. Um, so one of the things that is on TV tonight that we're not caring about, we do care about, uh, is uh, the Grammy Awards. And we're caring about it for one very particular thing. So uh, what happens at all of these award shows? This is not, like, exclusive to one award show. Uh, Even the Game Awards do this, believe it or not, uh, because they don't have enough time to give all the awards out on the show. Also, there are a lot of awards that people that are watching 
don't care about. Uh, and the Oscars do this, and they're usually the night before. So those are like your technical Oscars because nobody cares about the best camera. Uh, that That's not something they want to put on their telecast. Um, they want to put other things on their telecast. That uh, that that we do we we that that just um, you know it's just you slap your knee because it's so funny, um, but uh, the Emmys do this where they have like the daytime Emmys or at a different time than the regular the the nighttime en- Emmys. Uh, I'm sure even the Tonys do this even I, I even though I I don't actually watch the Tonys, uh, but uh, and in the Game Awards they give out awards during their pre-show. The Grammys does do the same thing. In fact, there are like. 24 flights, I guess is what they call them, of Grammys, uh, fields, 24 fields of Grammy categories. And they only show the top like five or six or something like that on the actual Grammys telecast, which is either starting right now or about to start. So a lot of the other Grammys are not televised because you don't, the the general public doesn't care. But uh, I am proud to report that for the second time, in history, uh, a video game-related piece of music has won a Grammy. Uh, and this happened literally about an hour, hour and a half ago. Uh, the first one uh, is actually friend of the show, and I can say that because I actually interviewed him on the show after he won his Grammy, Christopher Tin, who did Baba Yetu, which is the theme song from Civilization IV. Uh, it is the Lord's Prayer in Swahili. Uh, you've heard it eight billion times, I'm sure. Uh, it's, you know, a very popular choral arrangement in high school choral chorus. Now, uh, a lot of people sing it, but it won a Grammy. And so that was the first time that a video game song won a Grammy. And this is the second time, but this is not actually from a video game. It is actually a video game cover. And I am going to, um, tempt fate here. And I am actually going to play a little bit of this as well. So... Uh, I, I, I don't know if we actually have the uh, rights to stream this, so I'm going to talk all over it. But the 8-Bit Band is uh, a 30- to 65-member jazz pops orchestra that formed to celebrate and re- realize some of the best musical themes written for various video games from all consoles. The members of the 8-Bit Big Band come from all around the world, but primarily reside in New York City and are some of the most highly sought-after musicians and performers, all gamers at heart who enjoy playing their favorite games of all time. Uh, so, um, the they were nominated in Field 21 out of, like, 25 or something like that. Uh, in Composing and Arranging, it was, that's the field name, and then Best Arrangement, Instrumental, or Acapella. So they were up against Chopsticks by Bill O'Connell, with the, uh, and, who was the arranger, uh, and Richard Barretta. Uh, For the Love of a Princess from Braveheart uh, by Robin Smith, arranger, and it was Hauser and the London Symphony Orchestra and Robin Smith performing it. Uh, Definitive Love, or Infinite Love, by Emily Mossieri, who was the arranger, uh, and also the person performing it. The Struggle Within by Gabriela Quintero and Rodrigo Sanchez, who were the arrangers. But the winner is what you are hearing very faintly in the background, so I don't get caught up by DMCA stuff here on Twitch. Meta Knight's Revenge from Kirby Superstar. Charlie Rosen and Jake Silverman are the arrangers, and it's the 8-bit big band featuring Button Masher. It literally just won the Grammy for Best Arrangement, Instrumental, or Acapella. And it is obviously not Acapella. It is an instrumental 
And uh, it, it's an interesting fusion jazz arrangement. Uh, you can find it on YouTube, and you can even, they've got actually got like a video from the recording session. Uh, and there's about 30 to 60, I don't know if how many musicians were in this specific recording session, but it's a sizable number. It is a big band. Um, and it's a very, it's a very neat, interesting uh, remix. I liked it. Um, and so hopefully we can get some more video game remixes in on this. Now, one of the things to know is why why did a big big band get into the Grammys uh, over some of the other stuff you've heard? And it's believe I believe Charlie Rosen. He's actually like he actually does like music for television shows, and he's like he's already kind of in the Academy, uh, the Music Academy that does the Grammys. So he already kind of has an in. And he kind of this is one of his side projects, so that's what uh, that's that's how it got in. Um, but I am extremely excited that a video game cover just won a Grammy, and they actually did go on stage to accept it. It's just you aren't going to hear it uh, because uh, it's uh, they didn't televise it. So I'm, I'm sure it's streamed somewhere, uh, and you can find it streamed somewhere. Uh, but it was not; it's not televised. The the revolution is not going to be televised for that. So Mike Def says, "Freaking awesome for them." Uh, but yes, yeah, so Kirby now has a Grammy. Congratulations to the Eight Bit Big Band. I would have played that as kind of a music break, uh, like one of our midpoint breaks or something like that. But uh, I don't; I couldn't find anything from the Eight Bit Big Band that said it was stream safe. Uh, they do things on Twitch. They perform on Twitch. They've done concerts on Twitch. But I don't know if that particular song is stream safe and they're like some uh somebody in in discord is like well you can just ask them I'm like i'm they're, they're probably kind of busy tonight so congratulations to them two video game songs have now won grammys thanks to uh and christopher tin and now the eight big big band so who's gonna win it in 2023 so all you remixers you got to step up your game and get in here on 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 the on the remix train and on the instrumental train Dark Claw says you got to try to get an interview with them for next week. Um, I, I will try, but uh, my influence has gone down a lot, so I'm not so sure that's going to happen. We, I, I can try, but I don't know. I, I don't know if that's going to happen. It's a great thought, though, but I don't know. So uh, I know that there was other stuff that happened this week, but I am going to talk about one particular story all week or th- all for the rest of the show, and. Uh, it's because it, there was a very interesting conversation that happened in our Discord. And I'm not going to read that conversation back and forth because I also don't know if the other person is okay with me reading their take on it. Uh, because, you know, it, it is an opposite take. And I don't like to people think I'm piling on them or anything like that. Uh, but it's on our Discord if you want to go find it. Uh, but uh, E3, remember the video game show? I'm going to say show specifically. Uh, in January, they canceled the physical in-person E3 that was supposed to happen in the first week of June of 2022 uh, because of the Omicron variant is why they said. Uh, and everybody's like, well, it's going to be another digital show. And E3 never said it was going to be a digital show. And uh, I, I said, it's, it's, it's not happening this year. And everybody's like, no, it's going to be a digital show just like last year. It's going to be just like last year. Uh, well, that's not happening. Uh, as I suspected, 
IGN reports that uh, after previously canceling its in-person E3 2022 event, the ESA, the Entertainment Software Association, has now informed its partners that there will be no digital event equivalent this year either, meaning E3 2022 has fully been canceled. Uh, The news broke via a tweet from Razor PR lead Will Powers. Uh, who said that uh, an email had been sent out announcing the cancellation of a digital E3 event. IGN has independently verified the contents of the email as well. Uh, The ESA had initially planned on an in-person E3 event this year after having no event in 2020 due to the COVID-19 and a digital one in 2021. Uh, However, this was canceled in January with the ESA at the time unable to make a public statement on whether or not there would be a digital equivalent. According to sources speaking to IGN at the time, discussions around E3 had been fraught throughout the year with third parties normally involved finding the ESA's ongoing silence regarding their plans frustrating. Sources connected to the event tell IGN that discussions about a possible digital equivalent have been ongoing ever since, but without strong momentum to drive them. Instead, the ESA seems to be making plans to regroup for a larger comeback in 2023. So those sources that they're talking about, these are other PR representatives that already talk to IGN and already do things with IGN, and they're speaking off the record. So I'm just demystifying what's happening there when they say sources say it's generally it's the people that are talking with E3 that don't want their name attached. But IGN can print sources close to, say, and and print that stuff. So that's where it's coming from. So I, I do believe that information because IGN absolutely do have the contacts to be able to have the sources of people that are exhibiting at E3 work closely with e- e- the ESA about E3. Uh, The ESA has shared an official statement with IGN confirming the cancellation and that it will return in 2023 with a reinvigorated showcase. We'll see about that. Uh, They say, quote, we will devote all our energy and resources to delivering a revitalized physical and digital E3 experience next summer. Whether you enjoyed from the show floor or your your favorite devices, the 2023 showcase will bring the community, media and industry back together in an all new format and interactive experience. We look forward to presenting E3 to fans around the world live from Los Angeles in 2023, unquote. Um, and so the 2022 digital stuff, the, the ESA said, was canceled so the organization can focus its resources on the 2023 show. So we all kind of thought this was going to happen. Uh, and even when we were talking about in January when the physical show was ca- being canceled, uh, and them blaming the existing variant at the time, which you know, which which is very serious, and I'm not trying to diminish that. Uh, but that variant we knew wasn't going to be around in June, um, and or it will be, but it's not going to be at the level at that it was in the middle of the spike. Um, it's going to be around for a long time, and I I, I want to make sure that you know we realize like the time to eliminate COVID has passed. So I don't want to get into that side of things, but like, no, COVID's here to stay, unfortunately, uh, just like all the other viruses that we were unable to eradicate. Um, but there was talk before 2020 that E3 wasn't going to survive the way it was, and it's because of some of the decisions that the ESA has made. Um, and Mike Deft even says, I don't see E3 coming back in 2023, but they're more than welcome to try. Uh, the, the ESA needs E3 to come back. The Entertainment Software Association needs E3 to come back to survive because that's where their money was. The pro, the I'm not going to say the problem, but what happened to E3 was self-inflicted wounds because the ESA needed more money, and they chased a new market. 
And the discussion in Discord, which I do, uh, the person who I was talking with uh, says I'm more than willing to share his views. I'm going to try to put them in uh, and stuff. I'm not going to read it verbatim or anything like that. But I personally was bemoaning the loss of the industry trade show for the video game industry. Uh, and there was some conversation about how well vid- industry trade shows still exist for the video game industry. There's PAX, there's all, all these other uh, shows uh, and anime conventions that are industry trade shows. And the people who run those conventions consider themselves also industry trade shows. And therefore, they are industry trade shows. So the point of an industry trade show is for, and the the acronym is B2B, which is business to business, rather than a convention, which is a B2C entity, business to consumer. So PACs, while maybe people that run PACs say, oh, it's an industry trade show, um, it is primarily for the consumers. And E3 did this, the ESA did this in about 2015, 2016. They decided that it was going to start catering to the consumer. Whereas for the time before it, it really was about the industry being able to come together and trade good services and business deals and goods. So somebody made the joke that, oh, is it like a swap meet? Because if you say trade show, that sounds like a swap meet. And yes, essentially, Everybody there is trying to either sell their services or what their business provides and the other one or they're there to buy and look for people to buy what they're selling or things for them to buy. They are in need of something, so they go there to buy it. And there are other ways to do this. There are obviously digital ways to do this, uh, but it's not as effective as an in-person thing. And I actually t- go back to when E3 killed what was called Kensha Hall, which was Kensha Hall was actually a part of the Los Angeles Convention Center. That was another uh, convention hall. They turned it in the late 2000s, early 2010s. They t- changed it to be a parking deck. So or parking space, parking lot. So Kensha Hall is now a parking deck. Uh, and and but that was where companies you had never heard of that were trying to break into the video game industry could introduce themselves and get noticed by the other people in the video game industry. It's very difficult to do that in uh, online because now you're competing with everybody. But if you were able to get a space there, you could have that connection. And everybody at the show, everybody at E3 was part of the industry at the time. And so you could walk up to a booth and you could talk about things and they, they would have people that were knowledgeable there at some point in the booth, maybe not like at the very, very front lines, but, you know, the second line uh, of people uh, that they would be the ones that were knowledgeable because people there were in the industry. So if you actually wanted to talk business, they had people available to talk business with you. Uh, And there were like most of the booths at E3 had meeting rooms. A lot of them were just meeting rooms. And so to get back there, you either had to add an appointment that you had booked before the show or booked an appointment while at the show. You go up to the front desk, introduce yourself, try to see if there's a place on the schedule. Somebody will talk to you. Um, And that's what made E3 what it was and why it was so valuable to the industry. But then in 2015, 2016, when E3 said, you know what, we're going to not just be B2B, business to business. 
we're going to be B2C, business to consumer. And unlike a place like PAX, E3 said, no, we are still primarily an industry trade show. We're also going to cater to the consumer. Whereas PAX is, we are primarily a consumer event. PAX will tell you, we are a celebration of gaming culture. We also have elements of an industry trade show. So it, there was nothing stopping companies from going and conducting business at at PAX the way they did at E3. But the primary audience was the consumer. E3 was trying to say, well, the primary audience is still the industry. We're just going to let some of the consumers in. Unfortunately, because now they couldn't guarantee that everybody that walked up to your booth at E3, starting in the late 2010s, was actually somebody from the industry, they started putting more people that were not able to talk business on the show floor, and it became harder for those companies that were there to try to strike business deals to get attention because there was this new bit layer. Uh, and that's when you started seeing Activision saying, you know what, we're not going to be on the show floor. Uh, and I was actually there one of the years where they did this. We're like, yeah, we're not going to be on the show floor. We're going to have some meeting rooms. And the meeting rooms, there's a whole area, like there's a whole second floor of the Los Angeles Convention Center that is not a te that's not on the show floor. It overlooks the show floor. Uh, and there were these meeting rooms. There were these smaller meeting rooms. And the only way to get into that hallway is if you had the proper badge to get in there. And that was because you couldn't have an appointment with them. Uh, and if you did not have the right badge, you couldn't make it down there, even if you had an appointment. Which is why uh, when the Voice of Geeks Network was no, deemed no longer applicable to be media. We were no longer relevant enough to be media in the eyes of E3. They were like, well, you can buy this consumer pass. Well, nobody we wanted to talk to uh, was in a place where we would be able to access with a consumer pass. Even if we had scheduled appointments with companies that we had a relationship with at the time, we wouldn't be able to actually have that meeting because we could not get to their area because it was sectioned off because it was the industry-only area. And having a consumer pass meant we were not industry. So that's why we didn't wind up going back when we were basically kind of shut out of the industry portion of it. And that's where E3 was magical. Now, a lot of people will say, well, E3 doesn't serve a purpose anymore. And, and the reason E3 doesn't serve a purpose anymore is because companies can just have a you know have their press conference uh, online. They can just do it digitally. They can do it wherever they want. They can have their own event, online event, whatever. That's you know, and they can put all their announcements then. The press conferences or the the game showcases, whatever we're calling them now, but the press conferences, believe it or not, never had anything to do with the actual E three show proper. They weren't. They just happened to be in the same city during the same week as E3, but they were always external venues, privately booked by the company doing it with their own production crew and their own stagehands, their own invite list. Just because you had an invite to E3 did not mean you could go to those. Conversely, you didn't have to have an invite to E3 to get into those events. Uh, we, I've, I've attended, like when I attended the PlayStation stuff at the, uh, um, 
it is, I believe it's the UCLA, the Los Angeles Sports Arena, which I believe is on UCLA's campus or USC's campus. It's that back, basketball arena. Uh, that's where the PlayStation one was. Uh, we were had to be invited in, and we got in as the industry invitees. But then the entire upper deck, that was public. You didn't have to have an E3 badge to get there because it was not part of E3. So an industry trade show ne- does not necessarily benefit the consumer at all. So when a consumer says, well, E3 serves no purpose anymore, so we need to get rid of it, that's looking at it from a consumer perspective. And you're absolutely right. E3 serves no purpose to the consumer anymore. It served a huge purpose for the industry until E3 changed and then companies started leaving. We didn't hear about companies leaving E3 until E3 started saying, well, maybe we should let the public in. We, sh- we could get the public's money. We can let consumers in. And now when you're trying to get to an appointment, you have to wade through cosplayers who are gawking at everything in order to get to your appointment. Because in the past, yes, you had some people that were gawking, but everybody was there for work. For the most part. And yes, you can say that some people got in because they happened to work at a GameStop or something like that. And yes, that always happens at every trade show. But it wasn't officially sanctioned by E3. And you essentially had to give the air of, yes, I'm, I'm part of the industry. I'm supposed to be here. SJ100 Matt says, right now, the Zoom or remote work era has kind of hurt a lot of networking at events like this. Granted, studios are looking to bring people back to the office in person to some degree, but I don't see things changing where trade show events outside of GDC are viable for the industry yet. Um, And Questbuster says, I remember when most of the people at E3 wore suits or business casual most of the time because everyone was going to the meeting or looking to meet with people. Yes, I I did. Uh, you know, or I, I would at least like be wearing a polo shirt or something like that. I was not wearing t-shirt and shorts to E3. Um, I was wearing something that made me presentable uh, when when I was meeting with these companies. And, you know, I got to meet a lot of interesting people, ne- meet a lot of neat people uh, front during that E3 time because I was I was supposed to be there. Um and Esther and Matt says GDC is still very viable, but consumers hate it because it's not the biggest uh, big announcement demo new uh, new games place. Well, then the thing about GDC, which is a different topic, the thing about GDC is that anytime something gets announced there, the consumers run with it and they get pissed off because they're like, "Why did you announce this?" And I'm like, "Well, they were announcing it for the developers. They were trying to get the developers on board." They were trying to get that on board. Uh, so that's why they would announce things like that. I, re- I remember, uh, you know, the biggest one I remember was PlayStation Home. Uh, if you remember PlayStation Home on the PS3, you know, the original, or not the original metaverse, there were plenty of metaverse before it, but the console metaverse that unfortunately was a little bit too early as we've learned now. But PlayStation Home was announced at GDC, at Game Developer Conference, and all the consumers are like, why? Why? The reason why is because they were trying to get the developers on board to create content for PlayStation Home in time for its launch. So they announced the initiative at GDC. A lot of other times you'll see these initiatives launched at GDC and people are expecting full on game announcements. And that's not really what it's for. Uh, Or what will happen is, uh, and I remember this, there was a, a, a keynote when the one time I attended GDC, and this is in the mid two thousands, like two thousand six or two thousand seven, uh, Shigeru Miyamoto was the keynote speaker, 
and everybody's expecting these Nintendo announcements, and I'm in there, and he's actually just talking about his design philosophy and his development philosophy because he's in a room with the game developers, and he's talking about design philosophy. And he talks about the Miis and the evolution of the Miis because this was, like, right around the time the Wii came out, so it was probably 2007, um, and all that stuff. And everybody's, like, on pins and needles, or everybody outside of the room online were on pins and needles waiting for an announcement of a game. Oh, Mies are coming to Mario because Shigeru Miyamoto's talking about it, and then he doesn't talk about it. And they're like, well, that was a waste of my time. Don't they realize we're watching? And and so that's the consumers tend to think, and I've even seen it in our chat room every once in a while, where they're like, why did they talk about this? And I'm like, well, that announcement wasn't for you. And the response I get sometimes is, well, don't they realize we're here? They sh- even though I know they're talking to developers, they should realize that we're going to watch this too and they need to throw us something because the game industry doesn't exist without the consumers. And so I bemoaned the loss of the industry-only trade show where they could go, people who work in the industry can, can, can meet with other people in their industry and a good industry-only trade show shouldn't affect you as the consumer at all. And... I can hear people saying, oh, no, that, but that idea is dead. We don't need that anymore. And uh, other industries don't agree with you. Uh, so Questbuster actually brought up one. Adding, uh, he said, adding to this from a history viewpoint, E3 broke off from the consumer electronics show because of the gaming sector was growing so quickly and being put in a corner that wasn't working uh, anymore. Prior to E3, magazines like Computer Gaming World would go to a show like CES to report on convention news concerning games from year to year. Yes, E3 was a kind of a tent outside of CES. Uh, that was where the video game industry was until they, they made their own show. CES, despite its name, Consumer Electronics Show. You would think, oh, it's an electronic show for consumers. Great. No. It's a show about consumer electronics. And guess what? It's not open to the public. I know that might surprise you because you might have heard some rumor that it's open to the public. But no, you go to their site and you look at CES 2023, which is going to happen in January, or CES 2022, which happened just in January of this year in person in Las Vegas, not open to the public. You have to provide proof that you are in the industry to get into CES. Um, other entertainment ones, trade shows, uh, you would think, oh, well, you know, they're, they're all open to the public. All these com- uh, are open to the public. You, you're thinking like your PAXs and stuff like that. But no, Toy Fair New York. So it, did, it got canceled for this year's, but it'll probably come back in 2023. It's attended by retailers, distributors, importers, wholesalers, sales representatives, and trade guests. This event is not open to the public. All attendees are qualified based on their primary business. Any misrepresentation will bar you and or your organization from this and future toy association events. Approval to attend Toy Fair in prior years does not guarantee entry. So Toy Fair New York, all about toys. Not open to the public. It's for the industry to get this, for the toy industry to get together. And it's all those parts. It's not just the people who make the toys, but everybody around the toy industry. That's what E3 used to be. Let's talk about games. Let's talk about digital games, right? Have you ever heard of Amusement Expo International? You might not have. It just happened. 
in in Las Vegas, believe it or not. Over 200 companies and 3,000 attendees representing the coin-op and revenue-generating amusement, music, and family entertainment industry uh, was on March 14th through tw- uh, 17th of 2022. If you're in the industry, we invite you to come join us. This event is not open to the public. So that one is that's probably where Konami has the biggest booth because that's their primary business. Am I right? I just I just made people upset in chat because they love Konami. Um, But like that's where all your uh, your pinball like, you know, Stern pinball uh, probably had, you know, they probably would have had a presence there. I don't know if they're doing trade shows uh, that much yet. Um, But that's where all of those ticket spitter games and even the casino games and, and all those digital arcade bar stuff. That's where they all meet. It's not open to the public. You can't go even though there are arcade games there for you to play. Let's talk about uh, music. Like, because you know what? Music's all digital now, right? You, you, all, you know, you don't buy physical music anymore, right? So it's, you know, it's all Spotify or Apple Music or Tidal or, or Google Music or, or whatever streaming service you want now, Bandcamp. Who knows? Uh, so it's all there, right? So there's no point in having an industry-only trade show except for the National Association of Music Merchants. It is a trade-only business show catering to domestic and international dealers and distributors. The product exhibits are an integral part of the show, allowing the dealers and distributors to see what's new, negotiate deals, and plan their purchasing for the next 6 to 12 months. Exhibitors are allotted a specific number of attendees based on the size of their booth. Retail members are allowed a certain number of attendees based on their full-time employees. It's not open to the public. Dark Soccer says, Stern has been doing a lot of consumer shows for sure, but they're also doing industry. I, I'm... I, when I said that, I remember that Stern did not attend CES in person this year. They did digital. They were absolutely there digitally. Uh, so I didn't know if they had started traveling to an industry show. I know they just did uh, the Texas pinball. There was a pinball show in Texas, and I think it was last last weekend. And I know Stern was there, and they sent people there. Uh, I just didn't know. I knew they didn't send anybody to CES in January, so I didn't know if they sent anyone to the Las Vegas show. Uh, and that's, I, they could have, they might, might have, they might not have, I don't know. Um, now the happy medium could be having an industry only trade show that is then open to the public in which then a lot of the businesses will send people home and not have them there for the public portion. And it's essentially two different shows. And we see this in the auto industry. So the North American international auto show or more colloquially called, the Detroit Auto Show, if you've ever heard that before, that is industry only for three days. Uh, so it's industry only for the first two days. Uh, then uh, it, there's a preview, which does have the general public, but it's a charity event. So you you actually you you donate to charity for the opportunity to go a day early. And then the last two days, those are open to the public. It's like 14 bucks for an adult, 7 bucks for a kid. But the actual business people... That are there to do business, they they get out of Dodge. Literally, I guess Dodge is in Detroit, right? They get out of Dodge and they leave. Uh, because it is there's no point for them to be there once now the general public is in. So um that is probably the only way something like E3 would be relevant again in the video game industry, and that's what Tokyo Game Show does. That's what Gamescom in Europe does. We don't have an equivalent of that in America. Now, am I mourning the loss of E3 in particular, of the Entertainment Software Association in particular? Absolutely not. No. 
I actually don't want E3 to be that. I want something else to take that place, to be the industry trade show for the gaming industry, even if I'm not allowed in, which I probably wouldn't be allowed in, and that's fine. I'm doing this for everybody else. Um, I want somebody else to take that mantle, to be the industry trade show, and then, yes, maybe have a couple days open to the public where your business people leave and you just have the people that are running the booths there that can't answer questions. They're just showing off their stuff. Uh, that is what I would like to see, and I would like it for it to not be the ESA that does it. I do not. I think the ESA has made enough poor decisions. They don't deserve to be in that position anymore. Uh, and so I don't want it to be E3. As iconic as E3 has been for the industry, uh, trends come and go. And I think something else should take over that mantle, but it has to have a very good portion of it that is limited to the industry. So not like a PAX that is a consumer show with trade show elements, but an actual industry trade show that then at the end lets the public in. Phoenix 7726, I'm sure the billionaires that run the industry can work something out. Uh, the thing is, they're going to be, a, a lot of times when you get in that sense, the companies are in it for themselves. What can I do for me? So yes, Sony can have their event and the PlayStation experience. Um, you can also have, uh, you know, GameStop actually did their own trade show for their people where they would bring in companies and then they would have their managers, their store managers at the GameStop Expo. Uh, and, and, you know, they can do things like that. But in order for something that is about the whole industry, you need another group, an external group to put it together that then gets buy-in from all those billionaires. But I don't want a trade show that is literally run by Nintendo, Sony, and Microsoft. I don't want that. I want a trade show run by an external group that is like the ESA, but not the ESA, uh, that has buy-in from Nintendo, Sony, Microsoft, Activision, EA, uh, Ubisoft, Square Enix, you know, all those companies, um, and the smaller ones as well. That's what I would like to see. Are we going to have that anytime soon? No. Uh, is Jeff Keighley going to be the person to bring that? I actually don't think so, because Jeff Keighley is really focused on the consumer. I am not positive that Jeff Keighley would do something that is good for the industry being insular, which is what somebody needs to do. So while somebody in chat mentioned, well, Jeff should make the, the new E3, I don't think Jeff's interested in making an industry-only trade show. I think Jeff's interested in putting on the best content for the consumer with the help of the video game industry. Whether that's in person or digital, it doesn't matter. But that he wants to do something that benefits you the consumer and an industry trade show doesn't have to benefit you at all. You probably as a consumer are not directly benefited by toy fair, New York, but the industry is tiger claw says CinemaCon is only open to exhibitors. The people who work in the movie theater industry. So the other industries have a trade show. It's just the video game industry doesn't really have a trade show right now. And that's what I, I'm more, I'm more in the loss of not the loss of E3 in particular, because uh, I, I'm not a fan of a lot of the ESA choices. S. Sharon Matt says, uh, the industry has to come together for something. We'll see if they do anything. I have hopes that they do. 
Uh, Mike Daff says, Jeff Keeley is dipping his toe in so many things, I don't see it as too far-fetched. Uh, I mean, I, I don't see it as far-fetched. I just don't think that would be his focus. I think his his focus is for the consumer. His focus is on on you. And I think that's great, and I think he should continue on that focus. And uh, as Sharon Matt says, uh, Jeff has the connections, but he can't do it alone. Phoenix7726 says uh, about New York Toy Fair, besides getting kids di- addicted to gambling, you mean. Uh, Toy Fair New York, what I just said, even though I, I get the joke, because I talked about the amusement, uh, amusement Expo International. That's the one that's the gambling one. Toy Fair New York is your uh, Funko Pops and your action figures and your Hot Wheels. That's what's at Toy Fair New York, not necessarily uh, the, the gambling machines. We are going to take a quick music break, and uh, maybe you want to call in and 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 talk about this or talk about something else going on uh, in the industry uh, th- that 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 you want to talk about. You're participating with the Bobby Blackwell Show and the Voice of Geeks Network at Twitch.tv/slash Vog Network. Hey, this is Randy Varnell with Gearbox Software, and I'm happy to endorse my friend Bobby Blackwood and his little podcast thing. Hey, this is Randy Varnell with the Gearbox Software, happy to endorse my friend Bobby Blackwell and his little podcast thing. Hey, this is Randy Varnell with Gearbox Software, happy to be here with my friend Bobby Blackwolf to talk about his uh, little podcast thing. Thank you, Randy Varnell. Old, my old guildmaster in EverQuest, that's actually who that was. He just works for Gearbox now, and... Uh, they have uh, uh, the Tiny Tina's uh, Wonderlands just came out. So congratulations to them uh, for that. Uh, yeah. So if you want to leave a bumper, you do not have to be in the industry. Uh, the general public can attend the ability to give me a bumper. All you got to do is contact me. Uh, there, there is an email address, bumpers at bobbyblackwolf.com if you want to use email, but also Discord, Twitter. My DMs are open uh, at bobbyblackwolf or on our Discord server, vognetwork.com slash Discord. Uh, funny comment. I you don't usually reference the remix that we play, uh, but uh, the, the the remix that we play during during the music break because you don't hear it on the podcast. It's uh, it's actually the the king. You hear the king speaking from Katamari Damacy. You see the you hear the king of all cosmos for about uh, five seconds or something like that. Uh, but uh, as Sharon and Matt said, this song plays during the local TV commercials for Bobby's Arcade, where at the end it has small print spoken to fast lawyer terms of service speed that no one from the general public shall attend. And that's right. Members of the general public cannot attend my arcade. That is absolutely correct. It is true. Uh, Nobody from the general public can enter my arcade. I have to vet you. I have to make sure that you're not going to, like, do all the things that people in chat say they're going to do. I'm going to, like... I'm going to, like, drop a cigarette butt and smear it into the the carpet, and I'm going to spill... Uh, a slushy all over it and you know stain it and put my put my gum on the no you're not allowed in i'm absolutely going to lock you out i'm going to check the uh the the green room voice chat channel over at vognetwork.com slash uh discord i do not see anybody in the green room um so uh so yeah so uh i have thoughts on that last topic so that's why i spoke a whole lot of that Esther Matt says uh, to enter Bobby's arcade, you have to be vetted. Shooter, shoes are left at the door, and a beer has a lid on it. Um, I haven't gotten that far yet. Uh, and 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 Dark Tosia says no drinks near the machines either. That's not entirely true because I do 
remember, I modded my machines to put what's called a pin gulp on them. Um, so uh, if you remember, and I'm, I'm going to pull up a picture for the people on the on the show here, uh, but I uh, modded the machines to essentially like I put cup holders on the mach- on my machines, uh, so you, so people can actually put their drinks on there. So um, I, I I did this. Like it's you, you can have drinks near the machine, but uh, you know they you need they can't be full. Let's put it this way. Uh, you, you can only spill your great skills, says Mike Deft. Yes, that, that is it. Uh, but, uh, and, and, but you, you need to make sure that they're not full so they don't spill when you do nudge the machines, but I have cup holders. So you have a safe area to put your, uh, pint of beer when playing my machines. Um, and, uh, but, but no food. You don't need to be taking food in there. We don't, we don't need to be doing that. So uh, we're going to go ahead and talk about what's going on next, uh, except I do also agree with SJ when I'm at no Pepsi products at all. This is I am in Atlanta. It is illegal to have Pepsi here. Uh, only Coke products if you're going to be drinking soda. No Pepsi. Um, you, you do not even mention that word. Um, you, you don't want to know what happens if you talk about Pepsi in Atlanta. Pop culture says trying to find Pepsi products in Atlanta is a bear. Uh, I, and here's the thing. I know what I know what that's like because I tried finding Coke products in Boston the last time I went to PAX East. Uh, and that was super difficult. So super difficult. Coming up next here on the Voice Geeks Network at twitch.tv slash Vogue Network is Orange Lunch Radio. It's three people out in Sacramento, California. They talk about games for much, much longer than I do. Uh, and uh, and we like to check in with them and uh, make sure uh, that um, that uh, you can find the proper Coke products when you're in Atlanta, Sacramento. Are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Bobby, how are you? I, I am doing well. Uh, I, I know you mentioned that you could get uh, Coke uh, Pepsi products at the Hard Rock. That is why <laughs> the Hard Rock will be shut down immediately. That is not allowed. <laughs> Um, Pretty sure you can find them at a lot of drugstores too. But I will say, I I like I really like this new Coke Zero. I've been getting used to Coke Zero since um, a lot of my lifestyle changes yeah. a few months ago, and I really like that new. Uh, it tastes like the universe flavor, the mm-hmm. Starlight. Yeah, and I'm not even paid to say that. So uh, yeah, I'll drink that. I, and I do want to clarify because DJ Ramas says, "Wait, no Coke products in Boston." Uh, you know, I didn't realize you could buy those in convenience stores. You, you can buy them in convenience stores. It's just when with last time I went to Pax East. The places I went in the convention center or hotel and all the restaurants all serve Pepsi products. Yeah. So that's what I remember. It's not to say that there's no word that served Coke in Boston. I just didn't go there. And it was <laughs> hard to find. So, so yeah. Um, I talked a lot about industry trade shows. And uh, the reason I also kind of was talking about it a lot is because, like, in my day job industry, we have... We, we we lost our industry trade shows with the pandemic. Uh, and we actually hired, like my company hired digital marketers and stuff. And it wound up, it wasn't as effective. And now that our industry trade shows in my industry are coming back, uh, we actually unfortunately laid off our digital marketing team and went back to our event marketing because it's a lot more, a uh, lot, lot better for what we do as an industry. But I was talking about like industry trade shows with the video game industry. And what are your thoughts? I know you're okay with E3 going away because of the ESA, but what about the idea of an industry only trade show 
for the video game industry, do you think we'll ever get that back? It's going to be a hard thing to do in our industry, I think, with games, because, um, you know, a lot of the reasons why E3 was starting to fail, I think, was a lot of the approach that the industry players were taking to it. And I think that's just the nature of the world that we live in, too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I, I've told the story many times about when E3 kind of, you know, jumped the shark for me was when, you know, I was fighting to get into that Assassin's Creed preview, only to find out that they were showing in the theater the exact same thing that they were delivering on the Internet. So I kind of blame a little bit of that on the industry that the types of things that they were putting out there was a consumer show. At some point, the industry started to treat it like a consumer show before they were actually letting the consumers in. Is that a problem of the GameStop employees getting admitted into the show? I don't know, um, which you know would trace back to the ESA's incompetence at the end of the day. Um, but yeah, I... Um, I I would like to see maybe some sort of trade show. I think the industry can benefit from that. I mean, we do still have Tokyo Game Show. We do still have Gamescom. I think you laid out the argument very well that, you know, if something were to come back, it should probably be formatted like that to have the best of both worlds. But I think there's a lot of people that miss those after parties um, Mm -hmm. and so forth uh, for networking and uh, would like to see it come back. Although, obviously, certainly our industry has learned a lot since um, some of the E3 after parties parties of yesteryear um, and has a lot to grow in that department. But even those after parties that I'm not willing to lay that at the fault of the ESA. I'm willing to lay a lot of things at the fault of the ESA. But those after parties, just like the press conferences, just happen to be in the same city at the same time as E3. And they were not actual E3 events. E3 on its own ended at five o'clock. And there was nothing E3 related after five o'clock in terms of E3, the actual show. That's all. And to your point, that's to the rest of the industry and how they treated that week. I, I'll agree with that to an extent, but I do think the way the ESA handled the show floor for many years, they kind of turned a blind eye to a lot of weird stuff we'll leave it at that yeah (laughs) so um we've all grown up a lot since then i think Mm -hmm. um including the industry which is a good thing yeah yeah i mean because e3 can't do much about what happens outside of the convention center and i remember this from uh you know in 2000 the gathering of developers and the god lot which was across the street because they wanted to do things that e3 wouldn't let them do so they're like fine we're going to take this parking lot across the street put up stripper poles and winnebago's and free beer for everybody and there was nothing E3 could do about it. And E3 wasn't even letting them in the show floor. That's why they were across the street. Mm-hmm. So there, there's a little bit of that, too. And maybe it's because, I guess, is it just because video games are so visible to consumers that consumers feel like they need to be a part of everything that happens with video games? Well, you know, we compare a lot in this industry to movies, right? Mm-hmm. And television and the movies, you know, the, the like, I think you had illustrated earlier, they have their own expo and there's mm-hmm. all, there's even new trailers that are shown at these like film distribution. Sh- I forget mm-hmm. the name of the big one, but there's like yeah. a big like cinema owners uh, convention yeah. that happens and they show trailers for new movies at it and they end up getting reported on. Um And so, like, you know, again, if you look to the movie industry being a model for where the games industry should be going, then it shows that there is room for a place like that. But somehow the movie industry is able to successfully keep those trailers to that show. Some of them get out on the Internet. Mm -hmm. Some of them don't. 
Yeah. And you only end up seeing tweets and descriptions and that sort of thing about it until the actual trailer comes out a lot later. Um, I think whoever ends up running E3 or whatever's after it kind of has to have a discussion about, well, what makes this show special if all of it can be on the Internet in moments? And I think the industry has a, a place to address that as well. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, what are they going to do? Take people's phones? I'm not sure they can do that. You know, we all use our phones to 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 report these days. So mm-hmm. um, it, it will be interesting. Yeah. And, but that's also talking about the consumer. And that's that's showing stuff to the consumer. Uh, and and that's that's where I was trying to get to is to where, you know, can there be an industry trade show? for the industry and not for the consumer. And I think it's because the video game consumer demands to be a part of it so mm-hmm. much more. And you know what? Maybe I can lay the blame, uh, part of the blame. There's a lot of blame to go around, but to G4 or Spike TV, because mm-hmm. you know what? Before the press conferences were televised, you only read about it in magazines. And then when they started televising the press conferences, which were actually not at E3, and G4 started doing E3 every day and had a TV set in the middle of the show floor, I think that's kind of what changed the public's perception, and now it's FOMO. Phoenix7726 says FOMO, which is fear of missing out. Now the public, my dream is to go to E3. And if mm-hmm. somebody did finally go to E3 in the two, early 2000s, they were going, and then like it shut down at 5 o'clock, and you know, if they somehow got their way in, which was very possible to get in, and kind of fake it till you make it. And then they were like, well, it closed down at five o'clock and now what? Now what do I do? Whereas they would go to PAX and PAX, especially in the early days, was what all those people who had never been to E3 thought E3 was. And that's what PAX was. And then E3 said, well, now we need to be PAX. And then that's when the industry started turning away and being like, well, we can't do our business. So we're just going to do our own thing. I, I think that's a very perceptive observation is that, you know, it was around that time when E3 was being televised the entire time that that fear of missing out um, from a lot of people it was like, oh, it's this big event and I'm not there. I don't want to watch it on TV. I want to be there. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, uh, like I, that that cinema uh, convention, I mean, that's not televised. Mm-hmm. And uh, so there's a lot of stuff, a lot of conventions. They're not televised the whole mm-hmm. time it's going. So I think that's a very perceptive observation about how um, maybe allowing that, allowing almost too much media yeah. out of the trade show may have damned it. Yeah. Uh, but I would love to see, my, my final thought, I would love to see the industry-only trade show for a video game industry come back. And in a perfect world, it would not be the ESA to do it. And I think we can at least agree on that last mm-hmm. part. Oh, Absolutely. What else are you going to be talking about on Orange Lounge Radio tonight? Uh, well, we're going to talk about, I guess, as a follow-up to last week, the those rumors about PlayStation ended up being true, so we'll talk a little yep. bit about that. Uh, we're also going to talk about some of the actually funny April Fool's things that happened around the internet. Um, Twitch was actually one of them. Uh, Twitch is also dealing with another uh, issue. We'll talk a little bit about that as well. And uh, a pair of stories about Xbox Game Pass and uh, some, some rumors about what's coming next down the turnpike and how they might be offering it um, in, in other types of servings as well so we'll talk all about that up next on olr yep and and i am totally selling my rush pinball machine for a fraser pinball machine because you know there's only they're only <laughs> make 200 of those and uh i got to get on that orange Sounds radio you know, is up next yeah 
I saw a Rush pinball machine this weekend because I was at the Pinball Hall of Fame. We'll talk yeah. about that uh, on the show. And I uh, didn't get a chance to play it because somebody was monopolizing it the whole time. So I guess I'll have to wait until I get to Black Wolf yep. Manor later this year. It, it's a lot of fun. Orange Lounge Radio is up next. Thanks so much, Rob. Thanks as always, Bobby. Uh, so that is it for me. I will be back next Sunday night, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, right here at the Voice Geeks Network Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash Network. Uh, and I'll talk about, maybe I'll talk about the PlayStation Plus thing, because that was what I was going to talk about until E3 shut down, uh, canceled for the year. And I'm like, I'm going to talk all about E3, and I'm not going to have time to talk about the PlayStation Plus things. But I got thoughts on that. Maybe we'll get into that next week. Uh, if you want to follow me, I'm on Twitter at Bobby Blackwolf, or you can join our Discord server, vognetwork.com slash Discord. That is where we are throughout the week. And we have a lot of interesting discussion, even though I know it was a little... There was a little bit of a contentious discussion. I know he's listening in. I totally respect your side and your opinion. Uh, and, uh, you know, I respect how that all ended. And, yes, it is a very uh, – I, I have very passionate views on that subject, but that's why I have a microphone, and I talked on my own for 30 minutes without an interruption. And now I got out of my system. I have said everything I need to say about it. But thank you so much for the, the discussion because I don't think I would have gone – that deep into my research had we not had that discussion. So it was, it, I felt it was fruitful and everything's cool, at least on my end. If you like the show, tell a friend. If you hate the show, tell an enemy. I don't care. Just tell someone the show is not for everybody, but maybe for somebody who does not know about it yet. Uh, but we would not be able to make all this work without the people who go above and beyond, even though all we ask for is uh, you to watch or tell a friend. That's really all we ask, but some people do go above and beyond. Thank you so much for the resubscriptions on Twitch. Rob Roberts and Tiger Claw resubscribed. Thank you so much for that. We also... Got uh, Jay the Six followed. Thank you so much for the new follow, as well as earlier this week, Pompadour Diamond followed us on Twitch. So twitch.tv slash VOG Network. If you're subscribed to the channel, you get to see all the VODs. You can get to see me talk to the camera for the, the whole time uh, and, and look awkward while recording an audio podcast. I'm going to hit this button because that means I'm only 10 more seconds of being awkward. Thank you so much uh, and uh, take care of yourself. And I will see you next week, and we'll talk about other things, not just E3. Bye. A winner is you. The views and opinions expressed are those of the hosts, guests, and callers only, and are not necessarily the opinions of the Vogue Network, people who need to hire new voiceover guys, or your mom. Although if Bobby said it, it really should be. This has been a production of Bobby Blackwolf Studios.